So today we're continuing a series called Reroute Your Thinking. And Reroute Your Thinking is the first step. It's the R in the RELATE acronym in dealing with our relationships. And so it's, it's been a really great series to, to walk through some of the things that it takes in order for us to be able to remain sane in a time of being threatened. Ever been threatened? <clears throat> yeah. Ever been threatened in your marriage? Don't, you guys don't want to answer that, do you? <laughs> you ever been threatened by your children doing something stupid? Threatened by your parents? Yeah, that one was easy, wasn't it? <clears throat> so it's a series helping us to, to understand that we've got just a couple of seconds before we make a choice that's different than our brain naturally tells us to go down a path to protect ourselves, that maybe there's another story, maybe there's something else going on, maybe there's a threat in their life that needs to be addressed instead of us protecting ourselves. So it's just a really, really powerful series to be able to help us in our relationships, and it's just the first step in the Relate process. Well, today I want to talk with you about Grace Sent You a Message. So we move into Christmas, the Christmas story, and, and as we move into the, the week of Christmas, the message of Christmas is either life or death to you. The message of Christmas is either life or death to you. Jesus arriving was such a threat to this world, the world that doesn't want God. His arrival... The king of Judah declared that all of the babies born within that period of time, the baby boys, would be killed trying to rid the world of the Messiah. Jesus was a huge threat to our world, and he still is, isn't he? The mere mention of his name, people get angry, people get threatened by it, they become offensive or offended by it. Jesus is a threat to the world that doesn't want him. But to others who actually understand what God has done and actually understand who God is and what he's trying to accomplish, to those of us who really get it, that it's, it's him trying to have a relationship with us and God trying to save us. And, and for us who understand that, it's not, it's not a message of, of doom and gloom. It's a message of life. He's come to us. And we can have that relationship with us, with, and with Him. And it's an amazing message. Some believe that Jesus' coming was judgment from God. It was a judgment message to us. But those of us who truly know what Jesus came and did, it was about grace. Grace has sent a message to you. So this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday in the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. Um, we talked last Sunday about Mary and Joseph and how they needed to reroute their thinking, how they went through so much trouble that day, right? And, and ended up having the baby out in some cave-like setting, and we'll talk more about that today. So we're going to pick up with verse 8 in Luke chapter 2 today, and it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So let's stop there for a moment. It's interesting that all throughout Scripture how much God honors the shepherds. There's something about shepherding that God loves, and it's reflective of what God likes and how He likes us to care for one another. You see, God honored them, all the way from Adam and Eve's son, Abel, a shepherd. God loved his sacrifice compared with Cain's to Abraham. God loved Abraham. 
a shepherd, Jacob's sons, Moses, King David, all kinds of shepherds throughout the scripture that God honored and God revered these guys. But if you read the commentary on these passages that I just, this passage that I just read you, you'll find people kind of dramatizing it, um, using things like saying that the shepherds were social outcasts. And they're trying to dramatize the situation here in, in Bethlehem that night. That they were social outcasts. That the shepherds were actually unclean for religious ceremony. That they were actually just horrible humans. And God was so gracious to come to them as horrible humans. And I, and I want to say to you that that's probably not the case, all right? They didn't need to be horrible humans and they didn't need to be great humans. They were just normal guys like you and me. That's what we needed them to be, right? Just normal people. And here's what we do know. Just like in everything, there's good and bad. There's always going to be good shepherds. There's always going to be bad shepherds, right? There's going to be good and bad in all of it. Um, the Romans and the Egyptians, they hated shepherds. They hated them. There were reasons that they hated them. And it wasn't because they were bad people necessarily. But Jesus wasn't shy about calling himself the good shepherd. And if, if, if at that time, shepherds were horrible people, why would Jesus look to the people and say, hey, I'm a good shepherd? But also, why would he throw that word good in there? Because there's also the bad, right? There's also bad shepherds. So we have these shepherds. We don't know how many there are. We've always heard there was like three shepherds, all right? We do know there were the three wise men. That comes later. But these were the three shepherds. No, they weren't three shepherds. These were the three shepherds you heard about, but we don't know for sure how many there actually were that, that were there. So by all accounts, these were just normal, everyday guys, just normal guys. And in June, most, of the, most likely that's the time that Jesus was actually born, not in December. Most likely it was sometime in June. In June, over in that area, it gets dark about 740, 745, somewhere in there in June. So we know at this point that Mary and Joseph have had a really, really long day. It's dark now, all right? These shepherds are out in the fields. They're watching their flocks. And this is so awesome. God is so excited. Let that just kind of grab your imagination for a moment. God is excited. God is excited, and you're going to see in just a moment, he's going to make this announcement to someone. He's like, I've got to tell someone. And so he planned to make this announcement, this grand announcement. Why did he choose these guys? However many there were, we don't know. But they're just shepherds out there. God bypassed the high priest he went around the religious elect. He went around anybody of great importance. And he went out into a field where these shepherds were and made this huge announcement. And the announcement that was made to these shepherds started the journey to the cross for this little baby. Why do I say that? Have you ever told great news to the wrong people first? What do they do? What do the people that you should have told first do? 
Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you tell me you were going to have a baby? Why didn't you call me first? I have a, uh, an old friend that, that we've been estranged for like 18 years, and I didn't really know why. And recently, he finally told me why he was estranged from me for 18 years. It was because I didn't tell him when I, when I was resigning from the church in Oklahoma City, I couldn't tell anybody and, and I didn't tell him because even though he was a great close friend, I couldn't tell him. For, he was so mad at me that for 18 years we went with hardly any communication. That's what happens when you communicate around different people the wrong way, right? And that's what happened here. The, all of the religious elite and everybody that was in charge and, and, and of the, 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 the Jewish culture and all of that, they were like, oh, okay, seriously? You're going to tell shepherds this first? This started the path to the cross. And the fact that God bypassed the religious, that he went around the priests, it speaks something to you and me today. And all of the millions of people on planet Earth, God made this announcement in such amazing grandeur. Let's read it. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the angel of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. All right, so I want you to try to use your imaginations this morning. Get visual here. It's dark out. You're out in a field. These guys are talking. You know, it's just normal guys. One of them, he's done some mods to his camel. He's like, hey, check this out. Look at this picture. I braided his hair, you know. Another guy, he's got an ingrown toenail or something going on over there. And he's <laughs> Sorry for the visual. I'm trying to get you visual here. Another guy, has got problems with his son. Man, my son doesn't want to grow up and be a shepherd like me. Does he not think this is good enough for him? What is it? Another guy's got a new day job. This is their night job, you know. Another guy, he, he's, he's got a new gun and he wants to tell everybody about it or he's thinking about buying one. I mean, all the stuff that you and I, we just talk about. Just daily stuff, right? They're sitting around, probably a campfire. They've got the sheep laid down, and everything is quiet, and they're just hanging out, just hanging out. And then, suddenly, an angel appears, and the lights come on. Now, you and I, we've seen light at night. These guys hadn't. They've seen candlelight. But all of a sudden, it's like the, the sky lights up all around them. They're enveloped in this light. And this angel is there talking to them. Now, what does the light mean? It wasn't just the angel there. God, the Father, has shown up. The scripture talked about the glory of the Lord, God's presence. Sometimes it was called the Shekinah glory, which would be a, a white cloud. We don't hear that in this, but we do hear about the light in this, right? These guys were terrified. You can only imagine. God planned a huge production for just these few guys, however many there were, 
God planned this huge production moment for them to announce the birth of His Son, Jesus. And there was in that a great message. Grace has sent a message to us. So these men are terrified. Look what it says. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Okay, straight out of the shoot. This is, this is rerouting your thinking. Don't be afraid. What is he saying? He's saying, what I'm about to say is of great magnitude of importance, right? I'm about to say something very important. If you let fear get in the way, you're going to miss this great message. Don't be afraid. Reroute your thinking. I have great news is what he's saying, right? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So the, the, the angel immediately says, reroute your thinking. Stop, stop going this direction. I can imagine some of the guys were probably about to get up and run. <sighs> Freaked them out, right? So he says, don't be afraid. I've got great news. I've got good news for anybody that wants to hear it, and it will cause great joy. See, that means that they were looking at something that was terrifying. You ever seen pictures of angels? Do, do they ever look terrifying? Most of the time, not, right? They're like, oh, and they've got these poses, and they've got these beautiful wings. That's really not what we read about in Scripture. And we never read about an, an angel, actually, that was a female angel. They're always these big guys, all right? And, and they're, they're these massive, they were, they were mean-looking dudes, like Tom, right? Probably had a beard like him or something. But they looked at, these, they looked at this guy and were freaking out. It was a situation that, that, that they'd never experienced before. And the angel and God, they know how our brains work. And, and any time a situation like this happens, what's the first thing they would say? Do not fear. Hold your head. We're not a threat to you. Grace has a message for you. It's a good message. And I want to say to you today, grace has a message for you. It's a good message. God is not a threat to you. He removed the threats. And when you come into a relationship with Him, it's a wonderful and beautiful thing. You don't have to be afraid of him in that way. But you do learn that he's the only one that you need to be afraid of. He's the only one that you need to be afraid of. Because only he holds all the power and authority in your life. Notice the angel said this. Great joy for all the people. Who does that include? All of you. All of us. This is great news for everybody. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you, you're struggling with, no matter what your problems are, everything that you've done, God understands that, and there's great news for all of us. It's just a matter of turning our lives over to Him. Right? Verse 11 and then he makes this announcement, and this reads like the headlines in a newspaper, doesn't it? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. 
headlines, right? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So here we have this headline news. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Then the angel tells them this. They will know when they find Jesus. Why? Because they will find him. You will find him wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Now, not a baby laying in the temple. Go to the temple in Jerusalem. You'll find the baby. That's the Messiah. He, he didn't say that. Not at the high priest's home. There's, that's not where he is. He's in a manger wrapped in cloths, right? He's not wrapped in fine linen at, at the, the Roman emperor's house. Why? Because grace has a message for you. This is for all people, all ages, of all languages, of all races, of all everything. This is for all of us. No matter what your social status is, it's for everybody. It's good news. So here's a question. How did they know where to go? I didn't hear him say, well, you, you got to go down there, hang a right. When you get to the tree that's fallen over, turn left and, and go a couple of miles. He didn't do any of that. He didn't give instructions, but he did. He did. It's all right here. You see, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> given the location of these shepherds, where they were, we can know that they were a group of shepherds that were specialized in their, their rearing of sacrificial lambs for the day of, of, of Passover, right? So these guys were specialized shepherds in, in doing that. They would go and they would inspect the lambs. You see, on the north side of Bethlehem was a tower called Migdal Edar. I think I've said that right. And this is a tower similar to that. This is not the same tower, but this is the tower that would have been similar to that. Uh, would have been in a little bit better shape than this. But uh, basically, it was a man-made cave. And Migdala Mur Adur means tower of the flock. It was a lookout post for the shepherds. The shepherds could climb up and they could look out and they could see their sheep. And there was this tower that was there just on the north side of Bethlehem. And it was used to also, down below, there was a, a sheep care facility there that the sacrificial lambs were birthed and, and also inspected in there. So inside, down below, there was a manger. Micah chapter 4, verse 8. I want to take you there. And chapter 5, verse 2. There's a prophecy that the Messiah would actually be born in this place called Migdal Eder. Here's Micah chapter 4, verse 8. As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter of Zion. So watchtower of the flock, right? Migdal Eder means tower of the flock. And if you drop down... Uh, to verse 2 of chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you were, are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. All right, so the word Ephratah there means this, place where Rachel died. Y'all remember who Rachel is? Jacob, who became Israel, his wife, the, the pretty one, right, that he loved, right, the one that could only have a couple of kids, this is where she died. And that's what Ephrata means. So what is he saying? Bethlehem, 
where Rachel died is where Jesus is going to be born. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So, what also happened there? How did Rachel die? Anybody remember? She was giving birth to who? Benjamin. Benjamin. Who said that? Yay! All right, Cindy. He was giving birth, she was giving birth to Benjamin. So not only was it the place where Rachel died, but it was also the place where Benjamin was born, right? And so this is telling us that the Savior, Jesus, would be born in that spot. So you see this place early in Genesis chapter 35, way back when, when Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin. And while she realized she was dying, what happened? She named her son Ben-Onai which means a son of my sorrow. So she realized she was dying, so she named him son of my sorrow, this child that she had waited and waited and waited to be able to have, a second son. And finally she got him, and as she's dying, she names him son of my sorrow. But what happened? Jacob was like, I don't want my son to be called that and remembered by that for the rest of his life. So I'm going to change his name. So after she passed away right there giving birth, he changed his name to Benjamin, which means what? It means the right hand of God, right? Or it means the son of the right hand. And so what do we find here? We say, we find in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it says, Jesus was the man of sorrows, son of my sorrow, right? And then we have in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, that Jesus is seated where? On the right hand of the Father. So here's what an actual manger would have looked like back then. Isn't that cool? And the shepherds would bring the lambs in, and tradition says that they would bring the lambs in, and they would wrap them with swaddling cloths. And they would lay the the sheep down, the lamb down in the the manger, and that's where they would inspect him to see if if that lamb was possible to be used as a sacrifice because it needed to be spotless, right? And that's where they would... Isn't it interesting that that is where Jesus was laid, the Lamb of God. And isn't it interesting that the shepherds that would inspect the sheep for the sacrifices were told to go and where to go and how to find him. He would be lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Isn't that awesome? So back to the story. So this angel appears, white light, right? God's personal presence is there. Then it gets crazy. How many have ever seen uh, Beauty and the Beast? Yeah? Remember the song, Be Our Guest? And it gets crazy in there? That's where my mind went when I started trying to visualize this. God's production on cue after the angel said, you'll find him in the manger wrapped in clothes, swaddling clothes, cloths. After that, boom, it was like on cue. Something amazing happened, right? And can you imagine being the only, like this small little group of guys and you're watching this happen before you? 
This was something you would have thought that God would have, have waited until we have social media to do this, right? He would have waited till we at least could have our phones out videotaping it. But no, he did it back then. Why? Because grace has a message for us. God chose just a few, however many there were, shepherds, to put on this grand production. Look what it says. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them, all right, so I mean, you can just imagine what that must have sounded like and what it must have looked like. This huge heavenly host just shows up and they start singing praises to God. I don't know about you, but that would have been absolutely awesome. So then we get to this, this moment when the angels had left, and you can hear, you know, there's probably, probably one at the very end that's still singing as it just drifts away, right? After they left, the shepherds are like, oh, did you see that? That was amazing. And they said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, and when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard this were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds re returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So it's important for us to see the shepherds walked away from seeing Jesus with a message. Guys, when you hear about someone having a baby, what is required information for you to take home to your wife? That's a start. What else? What's that? What? Oh, due date. All right. Yeah. When, when was the name? All right. What else? Time and wait, and how long, right? Do you think those guys actually had that information? Can you imagine? That's their message. Hey, the Messiah was born. He was 21 and a half inches long, 8 pounds, 5 ounces, and <laughs> that probably wasn't the message, was it? What was the message? Christ is here. The king has come, right? Grace has come. Our Savior has come. They had a message. A real message. A message of hope. A message of peace. A message of love. A message of joy. Right? You know, Mary had a message, too. It says that she pondered all these things in her heart. She thought on them. She dwelt, I mean, imagine what kind of day she had had. This poor girl, she had to be absolutely exhausted. Now she's got this baby to take care of. They came into town that day or sometime that week, and, and she's just exhausted from traveling. 
She went into labor at a place that wasn't where their home was. She's not with her midwife, and everything that she had planned to be able to have this baby has just been thwarted. It's been completely changed. And now this, the, this baby that God has said is my son, where's your blessing? Where's your favor, God? We can't even find a place to stay and have this baby. And so they end up out here where Rachel died, and Rachel had a baby hundreds of years ago in a man-made cave. And she's thinking, man, is this really God? And all of a the sudden, these shepherds come in, and they're like, you're not going to believe what we just saw. You can't believe what we just saw, but you need to hear what we just saw. They told her all about what happened. And they were like, be our guest, be our guest. They were doing it. These angels were just crazy, awesome in the sky. It was awesome. You can imagine what they had to tell her. And Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. God is truly with me. God is really here. Even though it didn't seem like it just a little bit ago, we were alone. We were scared. We didn't have a place to have the baby. And these guys come out of nowhere. And they tell us what has just happened. God is truly with me. What an encouragement. Grace has a message for you. And what was he called? Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. So God went around the religious, he went around the pious, he went around the proud, he went he bypassed those who believe that they have God wrapped around their little finger to tell them what to do and how to, how to handle people. He bypassed all of those people. And he went out to the field and he put on this huge, huge display of an announcement. My son is born in a cave. Today I say to you, That if God was willing to give the shepherds all the information they needed to find Jesus. Then he's willing to give you all the information you need to find Jesus. But you got to think it through a little bit. Oh, wait a second. Um, manger? Swaddling clothes? Duh. We know where that is. And for you, somewhere down deep inside of you, there's this call from Jesus, come find me. And this is how. This is how. And I would say this, that if God was that excited about his son being born in a cave, how much more excited is he when he becomes born in you? One day, Jesus was talking, surrounded by ordinary guys, just regular guys. It says it specifically. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners, <clears throat> those are ordinary guys, right? They were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, so the religious elite, 
What did they say? This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He likes the ordinary people. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. James David, would you come? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And so Jesus is asking this question. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Doesn't he leave the big group, the elite, whatever, and go find the one that's lost? Doesn't he do that? And then when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one ordinary guy, ordinary lady that repents and changes their life and having a relationship with me. Than over 99 righteous persons who don't think they need to repent, right? All of heaven rejoices. Listen, heaven is not going to be some place where you're just bored hanging out on a cloud. Do you think we have some pretty good productions going on down here? You know, the Nutcracker was fun yesterday. But there's nothing like what God is capable of putting on up there. And then he talks about what they rejoice about. They get so excited. You think God was excited that night that his son was born in a cave? He was excited. But how much more excited is he when just one of us say, God, I want you to come and live inside of me. All of heaven rejoices. So the question is this. Do you choose to love him? And if God is willing to come down to you, shouldn't you be willing to go up to Him? This is an absolutely amazing story. The intimacy of God and how He wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. He wants that relationship with you. So I ask you, have you accepted him into your life? Have you said, you are my savior and I want you to live in me? Have you done that? Would you bow your heads? God's told you how to find him. It's time to see it clearly. And walk that path like the shepherds did. Come to Jesus. I'm reminded of the rich man. What must I do to be saved, to go to heaven? 
Jesus told him, go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. That was his path. Is that really the path? No, what Jesus was dealing with was his greed. He knew that that would keep him from a relationship with him. The path begins with accepting Christ and his forgiveness, thanking him for his forgiveness, and just asking him to come into your life. Saying, God, I want to get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And I want to accommodate for you living inside of me for the rest of my life. It's relationship. And that's what Jesus was getting at with that guy. What's going to keep you from having a relationship with him? If it's even your eye or your ears, Jesus said it's not worth it. You give up everything to have me and it's worth it. What is it that's keeping you from having that relationship with him? Today's the day to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. I want to have Jesus in my life. God, I accept you and I thank you so much for your love for me. I hear it coming from John. And I embrace you today, God. I accept you into my life today and I thank you so much for having accepted me. I want to get to know who you are what you like and what you don't like. And I will live my life to the best of my ability to accommodate for you living inside of me. And when I fail, I'll keep coming back because I know that you will not leave me or forsake me. You're my God from this day forward. I embrace you and I thank you for your, your forgiveness in my life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your message of grace. Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that was you today, you just want to say, John, yeah, that's me. I accepted Christ into my life today. Right where you are, I just want you to look up at me until my eyes catch yours. Yeah. 